Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel. Thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. Today, we're going to talk about Fortnite, Nintendo's terribly awful bad PR weekend, and some Game Awards predictions for this week. But first, we're going to go into video game Hollywood. We're going to start with this story about Oscar Isaac being hired as Solid Snake. Deadline reported last week that Oscar Isaac is attached to play Solid Snake in the upcoming Metal Gear Solid film. The script was, uh, for those that don't know, the Metal Gear Solid script was written by Derek Connolly, which I know is not a name that will ring any bells. But uh, yes, he actually has a pretty good resume, Jurassic World, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which I thought had a really, really great script, and Safety Not Guaranteed. For those that have never seen that film, it's actually a pretty cool film. It's, uh, it probably should still be on, on Netflix. Um, so check that out if you have Netflix. He also wrote Kong Skull Island, which was directed by Jordan Vogt-Roberts. I hope that's how you pronounce his name, V-O-G-T-Roberts, who has been attached as Metal Gear Solid's director for years now. Avi Arad is producing and has previously produced some of Sony's biggest franchises, like Spider-Man films, the old trilogy, the current ones. He's producing the upcoming Uncharted uh, with Tom Holland. So guy has a pretty good resume under his belt, too. So Oscar Isaac has sort of been a bit of a of a a dream hire for Joden Vote Roberts. He kind of had brought it up a little while ago. He actually reached out to Boss Logic at some point. For those that don't know, Boss Logic is his artist who is pretty much known for photoshopping celebrities into sort of dream roles and, and imagining them in these roles. And he once photoshopped Oscar Isaac as Solid Snake. And then I think I, I want to say it was last year. I actually don't remember exactly when it happened, but Oscar Isaac was doing promotion for a uh, Netflix film. What was that film called? Triple Frontier, I think it was, something along those lines. And it was the first time that he publicly spoke about Solid Snake and, and Metal Gear Solid, and, and he expressed absolute interest in playing Solid Snake. And I think he said something along the lines, like, I wouldn't throw my hat in that ring. So... What's amazing to see about this film is kind of a lot of different things. The film has been in sort of pre-production and planning for a long time now. <laughs> I think it's something that Kojima has talked about, a Metal Gear Solid film for quite some time. But it started to gain traction, I think, within the last two years when Joden Vogt Roberts became attached to it. And then I think he started talking a bit and sharing some details on his Twitter. I know he shared some concept art and he's spoken in previous years about how important it is to have Kojima involved, uh, to have kind of his core vision and and his hands on this film at, in, in some way, shape or form. And I, I'm pretty sure they've been working together in terms of the look and feel of the film, which makes me really, really happy. I think the one thing I've always respected about Kojima is, you know, a lot of people talk about his storytelling, but his actual direction in video games is the thing that, you know, kind of popped out to me when I, as far as I remember the first time playing Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation, that was the first thing that I remember noticing as a kid when I played that game was just how cinematic it was. I felt like no game really did that. Even from the very, very beginning, that when you think of that 
that elevator shot of him going up the elevator and kind of taking off the wetsuit there was just something so incredibly cinematic and then the title treatment it was just something i don't remember ever really seeing in a video game before which was starting to to mix just really really strong dialogue with these amazing camera angles and the cinematic way that all this information everything was presented to you even when i think about like Vulcan Raven, you think about Psycho Mantis, Gray Fox, all these amazing encounters that you had. And then when you think back to it, you realize how it was delivered, like the cinematic way in which it was delivered to you, something that you really only saw in film. So ever since that moment, and especially in the last few years as Kojima has been using Twitter, you really have begun to notice cinematically how smart Kojima is and the guy is really a student of cinema he has so much respect for all these you know directors and cinematographers throughout history so it's one of those things where I always looked at it as like man this guy should sort of be the director of the film so I sort of hope that um, he's kind of right there alongside Jordan Vote Roberts in, in some way maybe not super hands-on but uh, I'm glad that he's involved in some way, shape, or form when it comes to this. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of very happy to see this. And it looks like Konami is very hands-off on it. It looks like Sony just bought the license and the rights to it. And they're kind of overseeing the whole thing. So um, speaking specifically about Oscar Isaac as an actor, I mean, he's definitely been personally one of my favorite actors of the last few years. Um one of my favorite films that he was in, if if uh, ne anyone's never seen it, I definitely recommend it. It's called Inside Lewin Davis. When I saw him on that film, I was like, man, this guy is next level. And it feels like he's about to sort of explode after, you know, Star Wars. Now he's attached to Moon Knight with uh, Disney. So um, he has a lot of great stuff coming up. So I was really happy to hear about this. It doesn't look like it's something that's like super duper concrete but jordan vote roberts was retweeting it and talking about it so it looks like it's very very likely that um he will be able to star in this film but you know just like anyone else i'm still sort of concerned i have a lot of love for metal gear solid especially the first one and the franchise itself so i think th there's always cause for concern when it comes to things like this but you have a star who's attached that um loves the series and is very very aware of the game you have a director who understands the game understands kojima who has already confirmed that he wants kojima involved so you you look at all these individual pieces i look at Derek Connolly <clears throat> and his resume i'm like yeah this guy has a really good pen because when i think of detective pikachu it was a really really strong script that's what really made that movie you know a really fun film so it's just something I look at and I'm like, okay, all the pieces are here. It's just about execution, bringing everything together. So I'm really hoping that everything um, comes together well. Monster Hunter film banned in China. Let's keep on with Hollywood, uh, video game Hollywood. So uh, a clip made the rounds on Twitter last week about a specific scene in Monster Hunter. And the first time I saw it, I kind of didn't I, I honest i really didn't see what the the big deal uh about it was i thought it was just a scene with just 
some awful B-moving writing, which is something that I kind of expected from this film. Um, <clears throat> this mo movie never looked interesting to me. It never looked like it was going to be a hit. It always looked like something that I'm all just personally not interested in. And for those that don't didn't see it, because from a lot of sources, it was sort of cease and desisted. It was taken down. It was flagged. And Asian actor is on the back of a moving Jeep. And the joke is, he says something like, look at my knees. What kind of knees are these? And then his answer was Chinese. And it's sort of like this punny, like corny joke. And I sort of looked at it. I was like, wow, that's just probably one of the worst <laughs> written things I've ever seen in my life. But apparently it's extremely offensive and it's it's a stereotype against uh asians and apparently it's tied to a really uh old racist schoolyard rhyme and my first surprise was apparently the asian actor that says the line is jin as in mc jin from 106 and park freestyle lore which i was super surprised by i had no idea that jin was kind of an actor now and um but apparently the term itself, it's, it's not just like what I thought was corny um, writing. Apparently it's it's very um, racist and offensive thing to say. It's tied to a racist schoolyard rhyme. And I saw a lot of people kind of look at it as like, okay, you know, what's, what's kind of the big deal? Like whatever, it's just like a corny joke, pun kind of thing. And I sort of look at it as like, unless you're, you're Asian, you have no right <laughs> to say like, uh, this isn't offensive. I I kind of look. I looked at it as the first time. I was like, okay, I, I, I'm I'm really not understanding how it's offensive. But after reading about it, it's like, okay, it's not it's not my job to say. You know, I'm I'm a Dominican born here in America. Like I I I'm not. It's not you know up to me to say whether it's 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 racist or offensive. But it definitely apparently is because the film was pulled from all theaters in China where it debuted. It wasn't even there for, I think, 48 hours before it was eventually pulled. And even after removing the joke, no one is sure if the film will return to theaters. Apparently, the minimal loss that people are, are calculating is upwards of $30 million. For those that didn't know, China is now the film capital of the world. It's the most valuable um uh, place to launch a film right now, uh, which is why anytime a film launches here in America, it's really, you can't really look at what it grossed until it goes to China because it usually surpasses whatever it grossed here. And video game films notoriously do way better in China than they do here. Uh, perfect example was the Warcraft film. It kind of was a flop. It's not a film that anyone here talks about in the United States, but it was one of the highest grossing I think it actually still is the highest grossing video game film of all time because of how well it did in China. Uh, the other thing was that the film was co-produced and distributed by Tencent, um, which is a big, huge Chinese company. And one big question was how the insult made its way past China censors. You know, whenever you try to get a film to go through China, it has to go through their own individual censors. And they'll usually request for films to remove different things. Like, for example, if you have... Two men kissing, for example, any any signs of home uh, of like, you know, anything that could be considered homophobic, like two men kissing, for example, that will be have to be removed before it's released in China and anything else that would be deemed as offensive to China. 
uh, is usually, you know, film studios has to remove them before they make it there. So a lot of people were surprised that it got through the censors. Apparently another I issue was the subtitling on it was another problem because it alluded to a Chinese man kneeling. It, so it looked like it, the, the, the pun itself wasn't even proper, properly <clears throat> translated. So just uh, so many things that added up to it and uh, that that eventually got abandoned in china for those that don't know it's supposed to release here in the united states on december 25th that's the same day as the wonder woman film so uh, i mean i kind of agree i agree on, a, on on so many levels first of all it's just just awful writing when you think about it but it's also one of the things there's such an awful corny joke that it's kind of weird that it got through so many people especially through china censors to make it there and now Tencent is is being put in a really really bad position because it seems like the majority of people in China feel that you shouldn't put profits over China. You shouldn't put profits over a country. If something if if the writers and the people that made this film were okay with putting something this offensive to our country in the film, then it should not be allowed to play here in any way, shape, or form, even if you take the joke out. So Tencent is kind of in this weird position where they realize they, even if they try to get the film put back in theaters, you know, public perception is you're putting profits over a country. So it's sort of like this big mess. The funniest thing was Capcom put out a statement. Capcom was like, yeah, uh, that that's not us. We had nothing to do with the film. You're going to have to go talk to those people. We reached out to them to express that we are offended by it. But yeah, that has nothing to do with us. So it's kind of funny how they've been walking away from it. But uh, yeah, that's everything that's happened with this Monster Hunter film. And it kind of looks like it's not going to come back in China. And, and honestly, when it comes to the United States, I have absolutely no interest in watching a film with T.I. and M.C. Jin. Uh, so no thanks. And last but not least for Video Game Hollywood is the Mortal Kombat film coming to HBO now. So the film was originally set to release January 2021. Then it was pushed back to March 2021. Now it has an unknown date. But last week, Warner Brothers announced that every single film they release in 2021 will be available day one here in the United States on HBO now. And that includes <clears throat> Mortal Kombat. So the same day it goes to theaters. People will be able to stream it at home on HBO Now, which obviously sent a shockwave through the entire industry. This is unprecedented. It has never been done before. We've been hearing about partnerships from studios like Universal, which have been which came to an agreement with movie theaters like AMC to bring films to digital a lot quicker than before. But this is the first time that a major film studio is saying, no, same day is going to be on HBO Max. And unlike what Disney did with Mulan, it's it's not an additional charge. So HBO Max is $14.99 a month. The first film to take advantage of this is actually in just a few weeks with Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman was in 1984 is the full title of the film. You will be able to stream that on December 25th, the same day it goes out to theaters. But obviously what's interesting about this is it only affects the United States and you know, there's no surprise there where obviously the country that has handled this pandemic in the most absolutely awful way by the end of this year, unfortunately we're looking at uh, close to or exceeding 300,000 deaths in a single year. So it's, 
it's it's kind of weird to kind of get happy about this because we realize the only reason the United States is getting something like this is because Hollywood is looking at our country and saying, man, who knows when we'll be able to reopen theaters here in the United States of America because of how awful this pandemic has been handled. And obviously there's a new administration coming in and, you know, uh, President Biden seems to be taking this a lot more seriously than the Trump administration did. So there's a lot of hope. There's, you know, talks about a vaccine starting to be rolled out by the end of the month. And they're hoping that I think by spring of 2021, it will be something that's widely available. So, you know, maybe there is some shot to be able to start opening theaters. But in terms of having a full capacity theater, once again, a lot Hollywood is kind of banking on that not happening until 2022. And that's if, you know, movie theaters even last that long. So it sort of makes me a little bit sad because I sort of look at it and I'm like, you know, I don't want movie theaters to go anywhere. Definitely not. <laughs> like I want movie theaters to stay like, um, you know, as, as much as people want to sell this narrative of like, Oh, TVs are great. You know, watching films at home is, is, is more convenient. There's just some films that you just have to watch in that movie theater that I feel like losing that dynamic would, would, would really suck. And, Thinking about some films kind of that popped into my head, I remember was Hateful Eight, seeing it in that form that Quentin Tarantino wanted it to be seen in, um, that particular format. I think there was only like one theater here in New York City that was capable of playing the film at that that resolution that it was shot, and it just looked absolutely amazing. And I've seen, the, I've seen Hateful Eight easily like over 15 times. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's one of my favorite Tarantino films. I know the dialogue front to back, but no matter how many times I've seen it here at home, it can never replace those three times that I went to go see it in theaters. It's just, it's just not the same. And I was thinking of like Avengers Infinity War. When you think about that snap and the first time you see these heroes turning to dust and like the, the this audible gasp from everyone in the theater and then the credits rolling and people like, what the heck did the movie just end <laughs> with all these people just dying? It was, it's just this awesome shared experience that honestly you just can't replace. And even thinking about Mortal Kombat, I've been waiting for another Mortal Kombat film for such a long time. And this is one of those films that's like, man, I, I, if, if I had a choice, even if I had the choice to watch it here at home, I would still go to the movie theater and watch it because I feel like you can't replace that big screen. You can't replace that sound. It's just impossible to replicate that at home. So I'm really hoping that movie theaters are able to make it out of this because I, I'm definitely a believer that we need movie theaters. And it's one of those things that I don't want to go away. So hopefully they figure that out because I'm very much looking forward to watching this film. Our next story deals with Fortnite. Fortnite had their latest in-game event where 15 million players faced off against Marvel's Galactus. It was the end of the season. The new season seems to focus on the universe's greatest hunters. So the Mandalorian from the latest Star Wars show, show on Disney Plus was introduced. And side note, that show is amazing. Like, I'm sure maybe some people listening to this also watch that show. Honestly, I know... Uh, all my Star Wars knowledge is attached to pop culture. Like I know about Star Wars because it's such a big film and it's leaked its way into 
popular culture, but I've never, I've only seen one of the films and I think it was the second of the, the second trilogy dealing with, uh, you know, Darth Vader and, you know, how he came to be and Anakin and things like that. But I watch the show every single week. I love it. And shout out to, to Richie. He's the star Wars expert. And I'm always kind of texting him like, Hey, what does this mean? <laughs> He's always very patient with answering my questions because I don't really know much about stars, but that show is dope. So it's pretty cool to, to, to see him added to the game. And then even weirder was Kratos from God of war was added right after the skin originally leaked and it was confirmed. Honestly, I hate this. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then I started seeing footage of Kratos shooting a gun. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is unnatural. I, 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 I don't like this. I don't like that. Fortnite has become this new super smash brothers. And, um, uh, is getting all these characters from all these different universes and films and games. And Kratos was kind of cool at first and he has his Leviathan axe. And then I was just like, no, no, this looks super weird to see Kratos shooting guns. I, I, I didn't like it. And then master, uh, master chief skin has leaked and it looks like it, it was pretty much confirmed by now. It just hasn't been officially announced. And my guess is the same as everyone else's. Microsoft is Microsoft and Epic Games are probably waiting until the Game Awards this week, uh, where it will be possibly announced. And then people have been speculating that, uh, well, who's going to represent Nintendo? We see, we see someone from Sony. We see someone from Microsoft. And the person that makes the most sense is obviously Samus, um, because she is a prime hunter from Nintendo. But honestly, I would not hold my breath. I just can't imagine Nintendo licensing out this, this this character and allowing Samus to shoot guns. It's just not something Nintendo does. Obviously, she has her, her arm cannon, but to see her running around shooting a shotgun, I I, I kind of can't see it happening. If you think back to like when Ubisoft did the Mario Rabbids game, they actually were going to add guns to the game, and Miyamoto said, absolutely not. And they came up with that middle ground of, once again, kind of these arm energy cannons. So I sort of can't see, like, I would be hella surprised if they did that. You know, a character like Bayonetta, which they, they share the rights with, Sega 4 would probably be more likely. And that actually brings me back to Kratos. I think that Nathan Drake would have made more sense in terms of a character shooting a gun. Master Chief obviously naturally makes sense. Kratos, to me, looking at that, I was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of don't like this. If, if I'm Sony, I don't allow that character to do that. It just kind of goes away from everything that we know about that character. It's just so... On the other side, I just... I, you know, I don't like it. And I think what we're about to talk about is about Nintendo. And Nintendo um, is probably obviously been the news. But that's one thing I will respect about Nintendo is that they have an idea for a character. And they don't, you know, they, they don't break that. You know, it's very similar to um, like Disney with Mickey Mouse. Like you would never see that from Mickey Mouse, for example. Like they're very careful about what their characters can and can't do. So to have Kratos wielding a gun, it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. And maybe they made a lot of money off of it. But I was like, eh, I don't know. I probably would have told Epic Games, you guys can have Nathan Drake. That that makes a lot more sense. 
Now let's move on to this Nintendo story. So Nintendo decided to cancel a Splatoon tournament live stream. And it was kind of the first domino in a series of dominoes that caused a huge effect over this weekend. And gave Nintendo definitely one of their worst PR weekends in recent history. So just to go over the timeline, Nintendo was set to broadcast the finals for their Splatoon 2 North American December 2020 Open. It was basically like an invitational teams to sign up. They battle online. Once we make it to the top four, Nintendo was set to broadcast those finals on, I think it was Twitch or their YouTube channel. So December 5th and 6th were when these um, two things were sent to take place. So December 5th was when all the matches were going on. And then December 6th was when they were set to actually broadcast those finals out of nowhere they canceled the finals obviously what was weird about it was that they didn't publicly announce that they were canceling the finals they just went on a discord channel and one of the admins announced that it was canceled so the world kind of learned about this um it sort of started with a twitter account that goes by the name slimy quag sire when uh, he tweeted out, he's a Splatoon 2 and Smash tournament organizer and commentator. And he tweeted out on December 5th, so the Splatoon community and support of the Smash community has 30% of the top teams in this weekend Splatoon 2. And they opened with team names in support of Melee and Smash. So what does Nintendo America at Nintendo Versus do in response? They canceled their live stream for tomorrow's finals. Kind of funny that they'll sever their own support that they love to parade around as something so fantastic. Just because the Splatoon community wants to stand in solidarity with the other scenes that Nintendo outright harms. Then he kind of posted up these two images. One of them was an admin saying, due to unexpected executional challenges, we had to forego a live stream for this tournament's finals. And then another image that showed various team names that had Free Melee as their name, Free Melee 211, Free Melee 227 is on here. Element Free Melee, Melee, Melee-tation. And then he continues, to be clear, this is Nintendo's call, not any of the TOs or broadcasters they've enlisted for the weekend. Um, this is damage control and an outright spit in the face of all of their dedicated competitive scenes, but we ain't surprised, LOL. And his next tweet is just sort of telling people stop harassing people if they're uninformed on video game scenes. Um, and he added to that previous tweet, hashtag Nintendo hates you, hashtag fuck Nintendo, hashtag free melee. And this caused the hashtag free Splatoon to start trending. Now... Anytime anything happens, it doesn't matter what it is, I always believe that there are two sides to every coin. And and the same thing happened with the, when this news story first broke, I think I tweeted out, there has to be more to this story. Like there has to be more to it. And part of me was because I used to be a Nintendo employee and I would never imagine a... I would never imagine Nintendo employees making this decision. It, it's just part of me was because I used to be a Nintendo employee and I know what the right response should have been or the, the right steps to have taken. And another part of me was just because of my understanding of business and marketing. And I said to myself, this is such a short-sighted solution to this problem 
that it wouldn't make sense for this to be their first reaction to it. Like for their first reaction to just be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're just going to not broadcast these finals. I said to myself, I was like, there must be more to this story. And what happened afterwards was nothing short of amazing in my eyes. There was a group called Endgame TV right after uh, this cancellation fin at Discord. They then decided to invite the top four teams, the teams that placed top four during those qualifiers on December 5th, they kind of agreed to those those top four teams were then going to drop out of Nintendo's Invitational Tournament and then broadcast their own Invitational on Endgame TV's Twitch. And Endgame had started um, fundraising a pool for those winners. And that pool eventually reached $25,000. And I think an additional couple thousand, I think it was like 3,000, then went to charity, which is, uh, I, I mean, that's just nothing short of amazing for any group of people to do, especially a group that does not have nowhere near the amount of resources that a company like Nintendo does. For them to put all of this together, for, for them to put together a broadcast that really went off without a, without a hitch, for them to do, you know, fundraising and, 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 and raise uh, that big of a pot it apparently was the biggest pot ever uh, raised for a prize pool in Splatoon competitive history. No other tournament ever had a prize that large. So kudos, high fives, applause, respect to every single person within that community that was able to do something like that. Absolutely nothing short of amazing. I was just blown away to see how quickly they moved. And, you know, this is something that I think the scene needs to start doing. It's obviously Nintendo's not interested in creating an active scene. So you kind of have to do it yourself. And that's exactly what they did. Now, once again, I sort of looked at this. I was like, there has to be more to this story. Because if I put myself in the shoes of Nintendo, I sort of say to myself, what can we do about this? You're obviously not happy that these teams have these names of free melee. You don't want a scenario where you're broadcasting the, 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 the top four. And now you have your announcers having to call out Team Slippy or, you know, Team Melee Nation. Like, look, Team Melee Nation just you know, took over this part, you know, they just got that, you know, so you obviously don't want that to happen. It's a, it's a bad look. So everyone understand why Nintendo did it. If this is your action, like, Hey, we want to, um, support the smash and melee community. This is their natural reaction as, as a company. I don't want something like that to happen, right? Your first step will probably be to ask those teams to change their names. Your second step would probably be to talk to your announcers and say, hey, guys, when you announce these teams and these names, please try to refrain from saying Melee and saying Slippy. Maybe maybe you put something like that out there. But apparently that's not what happened. And I, I actually reached out to the person who broke this story, Slimy, and I messaged him because I wanted a little bit more context. And I asked him, I said, why did you come to this conclusion that this was why 
they canceled the event. Was it just because of the reasoning, which is very generic executional challenges, and just the timing with everything that happened? And he sort of did admit that, yeah, that's that's how I came to that conclusion. And I said, were any of the teams asked to change their names? And he admitted, no, they weren't. But he also brought up the fact of that none of the TOs, none of the announcers were told the specific challenge. They weren't told specifically by Nintendo, this is what happened and this is why we can't broadcast it. Obviously, Nintendo did not publicly announce that they canceled the broadcast. Um, I actually looked through Nintendo's Twitter last week. They did say, join us December 6th where we're going to be broadcasting uh, the finals. Then if you look at their tweet this week on December 4th, they talked about, hey, the tournament's about to begin, but they did not mention that they would be broadcasting the finals. So, you know, playing devil's advocate, it could have been an executional challenge, right? So you have to kind of put that as on one side of the coin. Nintendo did have an executional challenge, and <clears throat> this is just bad timing. But, you know, if it looks like a dog and it barks like a dog, it's probably a dog. And it doesn't look like that's what happened this time because the fact of the matter is that probably it, it sounds like what happened was on December 4th, they started looking at the names that were pouring in. And they thought about maybe we shouldn't broadcast these finals. And that's why that tweet on December 4th did not even mention a broadcast. But basically what Nintendo did was they activated what we call the Streisand effect, which is by trying to suppress and hide something, you actually bring more attention to it. And that's why I look at this as like such a short-sighted response to what happened because there were much better ways to, to execute this. Even if Nintendo would have run this tournament, uh, the eyes on this were pretty low. Splatoon doesn't have like this massive, massive esports, you know, following. Nintendo tournaments notoriously don't really get anyone to watch because obviously they don't take competition seriously, even if the competitors do. It wasn't for this huge prize pool. So there are all these factors that added up to if they would have broadcast these finals, probably no one would have even been watching. So that's why I look at it as such a short-sighted response because the obvious response to something like this is to, to, to come together as Nintendo employees and say, yeah, the best response is for us to, act, to, to do nothing. So it's just every move that you make as a company and you're, and you're marketing your PR, is chess. You know, when you make a move, when you make an announcement, when you do anything, <clears throat> you say to yourself, if I do this, then I have to play the game looking ahead four moves, four, four or five moves as to what is going to happen if I move my, my bishop to this square, for example, right? And this is such a short-sighted play because if you play chess, if you play PR chess in your mind, you say, if I move my piece here, and then decide to try to quietly cancel this. How do you not, how do you guys not look at the moves ahead and realize the consumers that you're dealing with? You're dealing with a core set of consumers. When you think of the Smash community, when you think of the competitive community of Nintendo, you guys are a, a drop in the bucket in terms of the overall sales that Nintendo generates. But you are the loudest drop in that bucket. So if I'm playing PR chess, I'm saying to myself, no, no, no. If I move this piece here, there's no way this community is not going to get really, really loud like they did a few weeks ago 
when I canceled that big house tournament. So it's just a short-sighted way to, 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 to look at this thing. But honestly, I the other way that I look at it is when I look at the Melee community, Smash community, Splatoon community, you guys shouldn't be angry about this move. You guys should be happy because now all it did was, was bring more eyes that probably would never have even knew, known about this to realize what Nintendo is doing. And then right before I started hitting record on this, or actually this morning when I woke up, I heard about this story that kind of started generating overnight about a controller customizer that goes by the name of Captain Alex, who received a cease and desist from Nintendo to stop selling custom Joy-Con that were dedicated to X Etika uh, because they expressly used the word Joy-Con for those that don't know Etika and the Joy-Con boys. But all the money from that particular custom Joy-Con would go to a charity uh, to benefit Etika on behalf of mental health. I mean, my man, Etika, rest in peace. And it's, once again, it's just a short-sighted move. It's kind of one of those things that when I think about back to my employment at Nintendo, I would never imagine an, a group of employees doing this because a cease and desist has to go through several steps. It's not just one person at a desk that decides to end send an, an, a cease and desist to Captain Alex. It has to go through several steps. It takes time. It could take a few weeks. So it's just one of those things that is, it's the right play is to not touch this. The right play is, yes, they're using Joy-Con. Yes, it's it's against our trademark for the word Joy-Con. But once again, the Streisand effect and is benefiting charity, we shouldn't even touch this. So I'm sure that everything that's been happening this weekend is going to affect change at Nintendo. And I think what's going to start happening is that someone higher up is going to asked to be joined on to emails from Nintendo's legal department before cease and desist are now issued to make sure that there's not a ripple effect when something like this happens. Because to be honest, when it came to the cease and desist against the big house, I actually agree with what Nintendo did. I understand it's the unpopular thing to agree with, but they had their logo attached. It was set to be, even if you want to look at it as a silent partner, uh, obviously Nintendo does not want to be attached with a tournament that's being run using emulators and dumped copies of the game. That sort of makes sense. So even though it's an unpopular move from the fans, I actually think it was the right move. When it comes to this Splatoon tournament and this whole Joy-Con thing, 100% they were awful PR chess moves. They made no sense. The group of Nintendo employees who went through with these decisions, once again, were not playing chess. They were playing checkers. So looking at it from a business and a marketing viewpoint, it made absolutely no sense to do something like this. But um, when you think about it in terms of like the silver lining, it's actually better for the competitive community because now more eyes on Splatoon. Maybe more people will be opening open to fundraising um, on behalf of, of future tournaments for Splatoon and, and Smash and things like that. Because there's only two choices for you guys. You either say, you know, I hate what Nintendo's doing. I don't even want to play this game anymore. But obviously, that doesn't seem like an option you guys want to go through. You love Splatoon. You love Smash Ultimate. You want to continue playing these games because you love them. So your choice now is... You know, I'm, we're not going to participate. So the next time Nintendo does an invitational, Nintendo Versus does an invitational for Splatoon or for Smash, 
you just don't sign up. You decide as a community, you know what? That same day they're, they're running their own little online tournament where they try to give away um, these really cheap prizes. We're going to run our own tournament. We're going to put up a pot of like $30,000 on the same exact day. Because Nintendo's not going to stop you from doing that. You know, that's that's going too far. I don't think they would stop. Although at this point, I honestly don't know. Because obviously, I, I guess I don't know Nintendo as well as I used to. And now our final story of the week, Game Awards predictions. Game Awards start December 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern. They're going to have a special next-gen panel with EA Chief Studio Officer Laura Miley or Meal. Um, CEO of AMD, Dr. Lisa Sue, and head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. So that's at 6 p.m. on December 10th. And at 6.30, there's a pre-show. Jeff Keighley confirmed five world premieres and a mu musical performance during the pre-show, though he not, excuse me, did not confirm who that musical guest is. Then he started confirming a bunch of presenters and, and more coming this week. Voice actors Troy Baker and Nolan North. The Swedish chef Muppet, I was about to say Swedish chief, Swedish chef Muppet, the star of Tenet, John David Washington, for some weird reason, Stephen A. Smith from ESPN, I thought that was kind of funny, Reggie fils former Nintendo president, Captain Marvel herself, Brie Larson, Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, Nathan Drake himself, Tom Holland, so I was actually really impressed by the uh, stars that he was able to get to be presenters is a really really good lineup apparently is more coming eddie vetter from pearl jams confirmed as performing and then we know that among us is going to show a new map so that's what we know so far but there's more coming this week so stay tuned to jeff keelick's twitter if you want some more uh, announcements in terms of what do i think some people are asking me like what do i think in terms of game premieres honestly i don't know and i'm gonna be honest I, I i didn't even really give it too much thought i want to be genuinely surprised but as i said earlier we're probably gonna get confirmation that master chief is coming to fortnite i could definitely see microsoft maybe showing off a little bit more footage from hellblade 2 obviously last year they showed off the xbox series x so i think it would make sense for microsoft to show up once again and then for phil spencer to be part of that uh next gen panel kind of lends a little bit more strength to maybe Microsoft um, coming back and showing off something. I think Hellblade 2 would actually make some sense. So it, it probably is time to see some gameplay for that game. Maybe PlayStation brings some new Ratchet and Clank footage. I don't know. I honestly would not expect anything from Nintendo. It seems that Nintendo during this COVID year, they really want to keep doing their own thing. And, um, you know, even though now they could probably use some distraction, but I, I, I don't know. Um, and I thought maybe I could quickly go through some of these nominees and who I think will win. So I'm going to skip all the esports ones because honestly, I really don't have an opinion on them. The first uh, award is best debut game. That's Carry On, Mortal Shell, Raji, and Ancient Epic, Roki, and Phasmophobia. I'm going to be honest. I never, I didn't play any of these games, but if I had an... A thought on who I think will win this game. I think it's going to be between Mortal Shell and Raji. I think those are the ones that made the most buzz. Even though Phasmophobia lately has been making a little bit of noise. So maybe it's between those three. My prediction is maybe Raji would win it. Just because of how unique it is. The team that's behind it. Um, either them or... 
phasmophobia because Mortal Shell kind of had some buzz, but it didn't look like it landed very well. And phasmophobia has began a little bit more buzz. So maybe either between Raji and phasmophobia, I think Raji would win it. Content creator of the year. Alana Pierce, Gian Lopez, Nick Merckx, Tim the Tatman, Valkyrie. I honestly have <laughs> no idea. Um, some of these people I'm aware of. Alana Pierce does a lot of YouTube. She um, raised a lot of money for charity this year. Honestly, I would probably give it to Jayanne Lopez. She is the creator of Black Girl Gamers. Has been making, has been growing a lot this year, especially after every, after everything that happened this year. I would really like to see her win the award. But honestly. This could go to anyone. I kind of don't know. Best multiplayer, Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> Absolutely not. Definitely should not win this. Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, Ultimate Knockout, Valorant. I, I definitely think Valorant will win. I think they have the highest ceiling for multiplayer. I think this is going to be a big esport for the next few years. Best sports slash racing, Dirt 5, F1 2020, FIFA 21, NBA 2K21, or Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I definitely think Tony Hawk is going to win. I don't, I don't think it's even a question. When you think of the fact that a lot of the the, the majority of this vote, 90% is by the media. 10% is fan. And when you think of media, you don't think of sports games. You know, sports game is not something that media really spends too much time talking about, especially since changes are incremental from one year to another. So I definitely think they're going to give it to Tony Hawk. Best Sim slash strategy, Crusader Kings 3, Desperados 3, Gears Tactics, Microsoft Flight Simulator, XCOM, Chimera Squad. So it's definitely between Microsoft Flight Simulator and Crusader Kings 3. Definitely, I think the winner of this is going to be Microsoft Flight Simulator because of what they were able to achieve with the recreation of the entire Earth, pretty much. Best Family, we have Animal Crossing New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, Fall Guys, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, Minecraft Dungeons, and Paper Mario The Origami King. I don't think it's a question. This would definitely be won by Animal Crossing New Horizons. Best Fighting, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, Street Fighter 5 Champion Edition, One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows, and Under, under Night in Birth EXE Late CLR, or Late Clear. I'm not even sure how you properly pronounce it um this is kind of weird i brought this up when i talked about the nominees i think it was two episodes ago that mortal Kombat and street fighter were previously uh nominated i do think mortal Kombat 11 ultimate will win which would be weird because then that means that mortal Kombat 11 would win two years in a row but i honestly think that that's the one that's gonna win I kind of do look at these awards, and I spoke about this when I talked about the nominations, that a lot of them are sort of popularity awards, which is what's the game that media was talking about the most this year, more so than, hey guys, let's technically pick what's the best fighting game. And this is why I've, I've said this multiple times, this is a category that should be um, 90% of the weight should fall on FGC experts. They should be the ones voting for this, not the media. The media are not the ones that know the ins and outs of these, these, these games. It makes no sense for them to be voting on this. Best RPG. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royal, Wasteland 3, Yakuza Like a Dragon. No doubt about it, Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to win this. 
I don't even think there's a discussion that needs to be had. Best action adventure, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, The Last of Us Part 2. This one's really, really interesting. I would like to use process of elimination. Assassin's Creed Valhalla definitely will not win this. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order will not win uh, because it's just not in anyone's mind. Even though I, I, I still think this game was really, really good. I actually thought it was definitely one of my favorite games released within the last year. Even though it came out like, what, November, December 2019. Um, I really would like to see Spider-Man Miles Morales win. Because this is one of the few categories in which it was nominated. I don't think... I, I kind of think that it's between Spider-Man Miles Morales and Ghost of Tsushima, but I would really like to see Spider-Man Miles Morales win, but part of me thinks that Ghost of Tsushima is going to win this one. Um, Ori and the Will of Lewis was also amazing, but once again, I think it's kind of down to what game were people talking about mostly this year, and I do think that that, that Legends expansion that was added to Ghost of Tsushima will also kind of sway people... Uh, and sway the media into what they consider Ghost of Tsushima. I'm sure when there's discussions, a lot of them were thinking about, but what about that co-op edition that they did? That was kind of cool. And Spider-Man just was released. So I would like to see Miles win, but I think Ghost of Tsushima is going to win. Best action game, Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life, Alex, Neo 2, and Streets of Rage 4. Once again, process of elimination. Let's take out Streets of Rage. Let's take out Neo 2. Uh, I'm going to actually also take out Half-Life. I think this is between Hades and Doom Eternal. And I think Hades is going to get the upper hand on this. It's a critical darling right now. And as awesome as Doom Eternal was, if I think of an action game, I'm going to give it to Hades. So I think Hades is going to win this. Innovation of inaccessibility, which is a new category added this year. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperdot, The Last of Us Part 2, and Watch Dogs Legion. Without a doubt, this has to go to The Last of Us Part 2. And um, I played a little bit of Assassin's Creed. I know what these other games did for accessibility, but this isn't even a conversation. What The Last of Us Part 2 did, in my opinion, should be looked at as like the crowning prime example for every other publisher and developer when they are creating a video game. I don't think it's even close when it comes to um, what was delivered for the accessibility community. Like this is a game changer, in my opinion. I remember going through those options. And I said, wow, I, I've never seen these many options for a game. I don't think it's even close. Last of Us Part Two, Best VR and AR, Dreams, Half-Life Alex. Marvel's Iron Man VR, Star Wars Squadrons, The Walking Dead, Tainted Sinners, not even close, is definitely going to be Half-Life Alex. Best Community Support, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fall Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Valorant. Once again, I think this is a category that should be 100% fan voted. It makes absolutely zero sense for the media to vote on this because the support is not for the media. The support is for the community, so it makes no sense that this is not fan voted. I think it should go to Fall Guys. Once again, popularity contest. Fall Guys was, they really exploded because of their social media uh, community efforts. You think of the whole Tim the Tatman thing that happened when he couldn't get a win. You think about what they did with Twitch, their community um, uh, tournaments. You think of 
you know, the whole thing about, you know, giving away a skin to the top player and it being Dr. Lupo, they, they kind of did a lot when it came to the community sports. And I do think Fall Guys should win something this year uh, because it was something that we talked about so much because of the year that 2020 turned out to be. So I think it should be Fall Guys that wins, and I do think they will win this. Best mobile game, Among Us, Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legends of Runeterra, and Pokemon Cafe Mix. Not even close. Definitely Genshin Impact will win this. I know Among Us is something we talk about, but no game had a greater impact for mobile this year, nor towards how we look at a mobile game than Genshin Impact. And I actually think that if they do win, I, I didn't do the research for this properly, so don't... Um, take my 100% word on it but this might be the first award awarded to a Chinese developer this game was developed completely by a Chinese developer and I think a Chinese publisher I'm not 100% sure but I think this will be the first game awards for a developer that's 100% Chinese which I think would be pretty cool but don't quote me on that I'm not 100% sure Best indie, Carry On, Fall Guys, Hades, Spelunky 2, or Spiritfarer, not even close, is definitely going to be Hades. Best ongoing, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, or No Man's Sky. I'm glad that No Man's Sky was nominated because they should be. Without a doubt, this should go to Fortnite. Fortnite also won last year, but I, I think definitely this year, there's no doubt about it, Fortnite should win. When you think about the Astro World, Travis Scott concert, the uh, you know the recent um, event with Galactus, you think about the other event that they did uh, this year for their season, all the additions they did, the next-gen upgrades that they're doing, moving the game over to a new Unreal Engine. Like They've done a lot for the community this year. The concerts... The Tenet trailer showing a movie, you know, that separate island that they built. They did a lot to keep Fortnite growing and keep it changing. Um, so definitely they win the award. Even though they had their mistake with Apple, I still think that they should win the best ongoing. Even though they also won it last year, I think they deserve it again this year. Games for Impact. If Found, Kentucky Route Zero, Sparefarer, Tummy Why, and Through the Darkest Times. Honestly, I can't even begin to vote on this i didn't play any of these games if i had to think about it once again popular what would what were we talking about this year i will say the two games that pop up will be spiritfarer and tell me tell me why but i actually think the winner will be tell me why best performance ashley johnson as ellie laura bailey as abby daisuke suji as jin sakai logan cunningham as hades naji jeter as miles morales once again i'll use process of elimination i'm going to take out naji jeter as miles morales he did good i didn't think he did great as i mentioned two podcasts ago jasmine savoy brown she voiced finn mason in miles morales i think she deserved the nomination not naji jeter Ashley Johnson as Ellie, I'm going to remove her just because I don't, even though her performance was good, I definitely don't think it was as good as what Lori Bailey did with Abby. So between Abby, Jin Sakai, and Hades, I'm going to put it between Laura Bailey and Logan Cunningham as Hades, who did Jesus Christ, such an amazing job. This is tough. I'm going to be honest. This, this is going to be tough. And I, I'm sure that this came kind of neck and neck. But I think I'm going to go with Laura Bailey as Abby. I think she's going to win. But I think it could go either way. I think 
Logan Cunningham as Hades, man, he did such an amazing job in that game. I've been playing it right now. And look, the voice acting across the board for Hades is amazing. If there was like a voice acting in a video game award, I think Hades, Hades should win hands down. Every The script and every single voice actor is amazing. I think it could go either way. But if I have to think about who I think will win, part of me thinks it's going to be Laura Bailey. Best audio design, Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, or Last of Us Part 2. Ooh, this one's tough. This one's a little bit tough. Process of elimination, I'm going to take out Alex, and I'm going to take out Resident Evil 3. It's between Doom, of excuse me, Doom Eternal, Ghost of Tsushima, and Last of Us 2. I'm going to put it between Doom Eternal and Last of Us Part 2. And I'm going to give the slight advantage to Last of Us Part 2. Once again, I'm thinking of how will the media rate it. And I'm going to be very honest. I did not play Doom Eternal, but I actually watched some footage of it. I was listening to it. The music and soundtrack is freaking amazing. Um, but if I'm thinking about just audio design, I'm going to give the slight advantage to The Last of Us Part 2. Best score in music, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori, and The Last of Us Part 2. I do. I'm still disappointed. I think the snubs were Jedi Fallen Order and Ghost of Tsushima. If Ghost of Tsushima was here, I probably would give it to them. Ooh, this is a, another tough one. I think Doom Eternal deserves to be here. I'm going to take out Last of Us Part 2 because as good as the score was, I think the score of the first game was actually stronger. So I'm going to take them out. Uh, I'm going to take out Ori Hill Will or Wisp. So I'm going to put it between Hades, Final Fantasy, and Doom Eternal. I actually think Hades is going to win this. This is I, I'm going to be honest. This is who I want to win. I think the score and music for Hades is freaking amazing. I love the score that they put together for Hades. I think it's it's absolutely perfect for the type of game that it is. But I do also agree Doom Eternal did a good job with it. This is a toss-up. I think it could go to either of these. I, part of me thinks it would go to Doom Eternal. I think Doom Eternal should walk away with an award. So... I want Hades to win, but I sort of think Doom Eternal is going to win this. Best art direction of Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, or in the Will of the Wisp, The Last of Us Part Two. I think hands down, this isn't even a conversation. Hades needs to win this. There's, I don't even want to, there's, there's no debate on this. Final Fantasy VII Remake looks amazing. Last of Us Part Two, I think, has a chance to win this because when we think of art direction, you also think about, um, I think, technical direction with animation and Last of Us Part Two. Their animation was, I mean, no one can even touch it. Final Fantasy VII Remake also looked good. But just thinking of that term, art direction, I, I, just, I just can't not give it to Hades, man. Just... This is an, another tough one, but I do think it will either go to Hades or Last of Us Part 2. But I'm honestly going to give it to Hades. I think Hades is going to win this. The art for that game, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I'm speechless with it. It's really, really good. Best narrative, 13 Sentinels, Ages, Ram, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, or The Last of Us Part 2. Once again, I'm going to use process of elimination. We're going to take 13 Sentinels out. It didn't make enough waves this year. I'm going to take out Ghost of Tsushima. If you think that game had an amazing narrative, well, I'm not going to have a conversation with you on that. That that game did not have an amazing narrative. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake has a chance. Last of Us Part Two, very divisive game. I, you know, it was not my personal game of the year. 
Um, but whether you agree with the narrative or not does not matter. Did it have a great narrative? It definitely did. So I think it's between Last of Us or Hades, actually, because Hades, they take they take a lot of things that we have known for a lot of years. Like everyone knows Hades and Zeus and the gods and the underworld. And they somehow take that formula and... I mean, I don't know how to even put it. It's like if someone took Hades and created like an adult swim sitcom. Like I, it's hard to, to tell, but each of these gods has their own individual character and the dialogue is just so amazing. And I, I really do think it's between Hades and Last of Us Part Two. I really want Hades to win here. I'll be honest. I really want Hades to win for best narrative. But part of me feels like they're going to give it to Last of Us Part 2. This is tough. This was the tough one. I want Hades to win. But part of me feels like they're going to give it to Last of Us. We'll have to wait and see. This is a tough one. So I'll, I'll say this. I want Hades to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Last of Us took it. Best Game Direction. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, and Last of Us Part 2. I think Last of Us is going to be given this award. No doubt. Um... I don't even think it's even close when it comes to game direction and design. I gave it to Last of Us Part Two, definitely. What they did with that game, even just the museum scene alone, I would give it for best game direction. Uh, I've been speaking a lot about Hades <laughs> lately, uh, especially during this segment of the show, but I think Last of Us Part Two is going to win. And then finally, game of the year. Recognize a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing, and Last of Us Part Two. Once again, we're going to use process of elimination. Let's take out Animal Crossing New Horizons. Definitely shouldn't even be, deserve to be here, in my opinion. Final Fantasy VII was great, but compared to everything else, I'm going to take it out. Ghost of Tsushima, I'm going to take it out this list. I'm going to leave it down to Doom Eternal. Actually, no, let's keep Ghost. We're going to bring it down to Doom Eternal, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and Last of Us Part Two. When I think of Game of the Year, I'm going to put it between Hades and Last of Us Part 2. And I want Hades to win for so many reasons. You know, I, I think about last year's show, and I think about Disco Elysium, and I think about the narrative with these small games being able to be rewarded on the biggest stage. And I, there's just something that I love about that. There's something that I love about Parasite taking home the Oscar, which I thought was... Definitely well-deserved, and I love that film. And there's something that I like about a game being built by, like, 20 people <laughs> up against a game built by hundreds, a game that we know was built using crunch. This is something that I look at it, I'm like, Hades deserves this award this year, and I really, really hope they take it. But there's a part of me that feels like they're going to give it to Last of Us Part Two. So as much as I want Hades to win... There's also a part of me that feels like, man, I could see them giving it to Last of Us Part Two, even though I want and I think Hades does deserve the game this year. I think they took a genre with roguelike that we have known for a while and they told the rest of the industry, let me show you guys how to make a roguelike work. And they took so many elements that we that we've known for so long, the element of a roguelike, the element of, you know this type of combat that we've seen done in other games, just even the element of the Greek gods, which we've seen so many games 
kind of beat to death. And they took these things and it's like they took all these elements and this team told the rest of the industry, let me show you guys how to make this work. Because honestly, when it comes to Greek gods and Zeus and all these things, we've heard these, these tales time and time and time again. And it's like they took them and they said, let me show you how to make this work. And they made it work. So I do think it's between Hades and Last of Us Part 2. And honestly, I would be disappointed if Last of Us win this. But I do think that they're going to take home Game of the Year, even though I think it should be Hades. I hope it's Hades. But part of me thinks it's going to be Last of Us Part 2. Because I have to, I'm putting myself in the mindset of what I think will win, not what I want to win. I want Hades to win this. But I sort of do still think that Last of Us is going to take it. We'll, we'll obviously just have to wait and see. So we're not going to have to wait long. You know, it's December 10th. It's a few days from now. That's Thursday. Once again, 6 p.m. Eastern is when that pre-show starts. Uh, with that panel, 6.30 is the pre-show, and then 7 p.m. is the actual show. So shout-out to Jeff Keelan and his team. It looks like they were able to do a lot. It's great that they got all these celebrities. Um, the fact that Jeff Keely is saying that still none of these studios know that they're going to win, so that that in and of itself has to be a logistical nightmare to do a live stream show and then have to prepare all of these different studios and representatives for whoever's accepting these awards. Like, hey, you guys have to be ready at any moment because you may win and we're not going to tell you ahead of time. That's pretty amazing. So big ups to Jeff Keelan and the entire Game Awards team for being able to put something like this together during a pandemic. And honestly, just overall, uh, shout out to the gaming industry for being able to deliver so much this year in the middle of a pandemic so it's, it's pretty amazing hot releases december 7th drawn to life two realms pc and switch december 8th puyo puyo tetris 2 ps4 ps5 switch xbox one xbox series x destiny 2 ps5 xbox series x will get upgrades doom eternal is finally coming to switch call of the sea which is a game i've been looking forward to pc xbox one xbox series x launching on game pass Temtem PS5. Also, just shout out to Game Pass. It's been on fire lately, man. They, they, they're adding control. They're adding all these games. Call of the Sea is going to be on there. They added Haven Day 1. Uh, Fogs Day 1 was added on there. I'm looking forward to them adding... I think the name of the game is called Greedfall, I think it was, which is a game that I've been looking at for a while. It's going to be on there this week. Shout out to X Microsoft and Game Pass. They just continue to grow this. Temtem is coming to PS5. December 10th, it's finally happening. It's real. Cyberpunk 2077, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Yet, it's finally happening. I'm, I'm going to be honest, my hype is not as great as it was, but mo mo mainly it's because I just want to play this game. Finally, it's happening. December 11th, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond coming to PC VR. Now it's time for us to wrap it up. The stories we didn't have time to get to. Persona 5 Scramble released in Japan last February is finally coming west. It's going to be called Persona 5 Strikers on February 23rd for PS4 and Switch. Uh, I know nothing about Persona. I'm not a fan of these type of games, but a lot of people are excited about it. It's finally coming to the west. Uh, a trailer leaked. It was taken down. So this is probably going to be one of the announcements that we're going to see during the Game Awards. 
possibly during that pre-show. It makes sense for this to be on there during the pre-show. Esports tournament and event organizer platform Smash.gg was acquired by Microsoft for an undisclosed amount. I think this is an indicator of a few things. Microsoft understands that the esports scene will continue to grow steadily and they want to be at the forefront of that organization i think this was a smart acquisition uh number two i think they absolutely need to change that name smash.gg i don't think it it it's a good game for what excuse me it's a good name for what the website does event organization and esports and obviously it has a direct attachment to Nintendo and Nintendo is now putting down the stock and the brand of Smash. So if I'm Microsoft, number two is I'm definitely changing that name. Number three is I hope that this is an indicator that Microsoft will take Halo Esports seriously. Halo can be an absolute dynamite Esports when Halo Infinite comes out, especially with the fact that Halo multiplayer will be free to play. So I think this is a great indicator of that. And last but not least, according to a source speaking to Forbes, Travis Scott's Fortnite concert grossed roughly $20 million, including merchandise sales. For comparison, a record-grossing concert stop on Scott's physical Astroworld tour last year reportedly reached $1.7 million in a single night. So $1.7 versus $20 million. This is great on so many reasons, but the the, the main reason why it's great is it's, it's a, a great PowerPoint slide for Epic Games and Fortnite when trying to sell their upcoming multiverse and trying to sell these other mega superstars to do their concerts. And we're definitely going to see another one next year. I could see them tapping into someone like, you know, Ariana Grande or Doja Cat or someone who has this type of momentum that Travis Scott has. Um, to do another big virtual concert. So big ups to everyone that that, that put that together. That, that concert was absolutely amazing. So hopefully we'll see more of that in the future. And that's our show. Shout out to Avalanche co-founder Christopher Sundberg, who formed a new studio focusing on open world action games. But the reason why I guess the shout out is because it's probably one of the greatest studio names I've ever heard. Liquid Swords. I don't think anyone else should even try. This is definitely... I will play your game just purely because of your studio name, Liquid Swords. Absolutely love it. Wu-Tang forever. And um, that's it. That's our show. Another shout out to everyone listening. I'm sorry I sound a little bit under the weather. I got the sniffles. I think I'm, I'm catching a cold. The weather is changing here in New York. It's, it's becoming officially, as we love to call it, brick. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Camp Koji for future updates. Once again, my name is Joel, and I will see you all next week week.